Hey friend, welcome back to Bible Track Echoes. I'm Michael McCurry. If you're listening on the radio, if you tune your ears just a little bit, you can hear the sounds of the great outdoors. I'm not in the great outback of Australia, but I am in Australia. We're in the Blue Mountains, from what I understand. The reason the outback is normally so arid and so dry, it's very much a desert, is because of these very mountains. You see, the coast, the west, I'm sorry, the east coast of Australia is beautiful. It's verdant, it's green, it's gorgeous, honestly, and that's where Sydney and many of the major cities are situated. But these blue mountains keep the rain that comes across, the storms and whatnot, they keep them from continuing inland. And so the rain falls often on the Blue Mountains. We've experienced that a little bit over the past couple of days. And honestly, the sound of rain, it's been gorgeous. It's been its been very soothing. Some of you out there, you're thinking, Brother McCurry, you're just suffering for the Lord over there, aren't you? We're dealing with freezing weather where we are in America, and you're in summer on the other side of the world. I apologize, but the Lord led me here, and I followed very willingly. Now, in all seriousness, my wife and I were in Kenya in December. It averaged 70 degrees. Been in Australia here now in January. My wife's not with me this time. She's dealing with, she's has dealt with winter freezes and all those things while I've been gone, and it's averaged over here 70 degrees Fahrenheit. So, yes, I, I am suffering for the Lord, but if you can forgive me and you can look past the fact that I am on the other side of the world, for a little bit. Let's dive into the Bible. We've been talking this week about multi-generational ministry, and that's where I want to continue today. I've been blessed to have wonderful mentors. I've been so blessed to have great people that I would call my elders, that I would call spiritual fathers. Of course, my own physical father, my dad, Chris McCurry, raised me and my, my brothers and I, I should say, my brothers and me. Is that correct English? Regardless, mom, don't listen because she will correct my English. But my brothers and I, we, we were raised in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We had the great privilege of being raised in church. Uh, we were in Sunday school on Sunday morning. We were in the Sunday morning service. Uh, we were there for Sunday evening service. And Wednesday evening, the midweek service, if it was Wednesday or Thursday, we were there as well. Uh, I think we would be there every time the doors were open. If the janitor came in on Friday evening to clean, we were probably there to watch him. No, I know, I'm joking. Actually, we may have been the church janitors for some of the places we were and helping out. Uh, I've spent many an evening falling asleep on a church pew as a young boy. And I'm blessed by that. I'm not complaining about that. There are some that uh, they seem to need to complain about how they were raised and were there, were there problems, were there ills, was everything perfect? No, but I don't know that there's ever been a perfect family. Uh, Jesus's own earthly mother and father were not perfect. And so I, I don't know how I could expect anything different, but in all seriousness, I had a wonderful upbringing. My mother, my father, had so many great spiritual mentors, pastors, the gentleman that I worked for my first years in ministry, Joe Grimaldi, what a blessing he is and has been to me. I think of those that continue to counsel me, to give advice as needed, and I'm so blessed. But it also causes me to have a burden for those that come after me. I'm still, relatively speaking, a younger man, I realize that, and but I've been given some grand opportunities. You see, between this week 
and the end of the year, I will be in 10 different weeks of camp. Of course, it's summer here in Australia, so I'm doing summer camp, and I'll be doing a summer camp in Papua New Guinea next week, and uh, I have multiple six, seven, eight weeks over the actual summer in America, and an opportunity for me to invest in those, I shudder to think, that are now half my age, many of them. It's crazy to think how fast time flies. But it's a multi-generational concept. This multi-generational concept, it bothers me in a good way. It causes me to ponder, to think, to pause, to reflect. And so I ask you today to do the same with me. I read for you Second Chronicles chapter number 5 and verse number 13 and 14. I won't read it again at the moment, but it's a snippet out of a celebration as Solomon opens the temple as God meets with his people in this beautiful temple. I use that verse as my text because I want to pause and I want to back up just a little bit to 2 Samuel chapter number 7 because Solomon was not the one originally with the dream of building the temple. If you look at 2 Samuel chapter number 7 verse number 1, and it came to pass when the king sat in his house and the Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies, that the king, this is David, said unto Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in an house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with thee. David wanted to build his God a temple. But then he gets some news he probably didn't want to hear. In First Chronicles 28, verse 2, Then David the king stood up, stood up upon his feet and said, Hear me, my brethren and my people. As for me, I had in my heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God, and had made ready for the building. But God said unto me, Thou shalt not build a house for my name, because thou hast been a man of war and hast shed blood. David is told, that he would not be allowed to build this temple he so desired to honor God with. Well, what did David do? Did he, like Ahab, when he found out he couldn't do something or couldn't have something he wanted, did he throw himself down, a, down on his bed and weep? Did he cry? Did he complain? Did he do what some kids do when they find out they can't get candy in the grocery store line? Did he throw himself down on the floor and flail around and scream, it's not fair? No, no, David did something different. He decided to do everything he could that God would allow him to, to help prepare the way for the next generation. Now, we could also talk about the fact that Solomon, the next generation, the one that came after, allowed what his father had done to be a help to him. He did not shirk his responsibility. He didn't tell his dad, you're an old fogey that doesn't know what he's doing. He listened, and we'll talk more about that a little bit later, but realize what David did. He spent the last years of his life preparing the way for a temple he would never set human eyes on. There's an old statement. I, it's far more poetic than I can recall at the moment, but I'll paraphrase. It goes something like this. A culture, a civilization, a people is great. When old men plant trees, 
they will never sit in the shade of. Think about that. For a generation to do a work on behalf of the next generation, a work that they will never see themselves. That's something, isn't it? It's a burden of mine. And yet, while thinking about that, I've also looked at the inverse. When I first heard that statement, the thought that immediately came to mind was this, a civilization, a culture, a people is doomed when young men cut down trees they had no hand in planting. I ask you, where are you? Are you an older man, older woman, seasoned, yes, mature, and maybe you feel there's nothing to leave the next generation. Can I counsel you, dear friend? Nothing could be further from the truth. Young men, young women, do you look with disdain at those that came before and think, I could learn nothing from these people? Or do you realize that God has placed you in a very specific spot, quite possibly, to glean something of great importance? I realize that we have a hard time properly perceiving time. You realize, friend, that the average American will live only 4,000 weeks. Why don't you think about this? 4,000 weeks, that's about 76 years or thereabouts. <coughs> when I use those numbers, that helps me conceptualize my life. I did the math. I've lived over 1,600 of my weeks. Now, I'm not guaranteed 4,000. Understand me. I'm not saying everyone gets those. But the average, the average is 4,000 weeks. And I've lived 1,600 of mine. I have less than 2,400 left. It makes me really stop and ponder a little bit more precisely, a little bit more intently, weeks like this week. Because I realize that I'm spending a week of my life in Australia. Yes. For the glory of God. But is, is it precisely what God would have me to do? Now, I truly believe it is, and that's why I'm here. But it does make me ask about everything I do. You see, a day, a day is to me so short. It's too short for me to wrap my head around. A day is cheap. A day passes quickly. And a year, a year is too long. Kind of really grasping a year, that can be difficult. But a week... I can understand a week. Maybe that'll help you as well. I want to, if you'd allow me, tomorrow to explain to you how to reach the next generation. How to accomplish multi-generational ministry. It's honestly, biblically, quite simple. I'm going to share with you tomorrow how you can. Now, before you turn the dial, and I hope you won't. I hope you just stay on here for a little while. I'm sure there's some other good men coming on and good people to speak to you from this radio station, or maybe you're watching on YouTube and you can see the beautiful Australian scenery behind me. If you can, praise the Lord, I'm enjoying it myself. But maybe, just maybe, you could endeavor, you could commit to praying for our ministry. You say, Brother Micah, you asked us to pray for Bible tracts in the month of January. Now here we are. In February, you're asking us again? I'll be honest with you. Yes, I am. Because we need your prayers. 
Now, maybe we won't have the same concerted effort that we had last month, but could you still consider praying for us? More than your money. You'll notice I very rarely talk about money on this broadcast. I do at times, as the Lord leads me. I'm not going to today. But far more than I talk about money, I talk about needing your prayers. Would you please? Would you please pray for us? That's one way to get involved in a multi-generational ministry. This ministry started 85 years ago with Paul Levine, and here we are two or three or four generations later, still taking the word of God to all the world. Thank you so much for listening today. My prayer as always is that you have a great day for his glory. We will conclude this thought of multi-generational ministry tomorrow. God bless. Thank you for joining us today for Bible Tract Echoes, a ministry of Bible Tracks Incorporated. If you would like to receive a free sample booklet of all of our tracks, you can contact us by calling 309-828-6888. That's 309-828-6888. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 130, Dwight, Illinois, 604 a faster way to contact us is to go to our website at BibleTracksInc.org. That's BibleTracksInc.org. There you will find more information about our ministry and details on how you can support Bible Tracks Incorporated. Thanks for listening, and may the Lord richly bless you as you serve Him.